welcome to episode seven, season two of this spiritual fix, where today we are going to be doing the first in a series of four on the drama triangle, the persecutor, victim, and rescuer. Stay tuned for an eye-opening series. Spiritual Fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hello, Christina. Hello, Anna. How are you? I'm great-ish. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Explain the ish. There's a story behind that. What's going on? Well, I've been really good. And then this morning we went into some technical difficulties because my mic wasn't working, as you just know, and it frustrated me, but I tried my best not to play the victim, (laughs) which we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Which we are talking about today. Have you had any other revelations since we last talked? Yes. Um, Oh, about victim stuff or no? Or just about the world. The revelations. I have. I somehow fell on narcissist abuse. TikTok? Instagram. No, like (laughs) I fell on Instagram. Some guy does like this narcissism Instagram. And I don't know how like it came up on my feed or this spiritual fix Instagram profile feed came up and I started reading about it. And it was just fascinating to see like what behaviors constitute narcissists. And how prevalent I feel like they must be in our society or there's a spectrum and like we all have variant degrees of narcissism. And then I was trying to think like, how does narcissism play in the drama triangle, which you're going to discuss today? And then Vipassana meditator in me starts to have this very philosophical idea of like, well, what does it mean to love everyone and accept everyone? And what does it mean to protect yourself from a narcissist? And then I'm like, well, if you're protecting yourself, does that mean that you are playing the victim card? Anyways, and I've just been going into like a lot of thinking about what does it mean to live an accepting, loving, forgiving life in the context of boundaries from people who may or may not take advantage of you. That brings the whole persecutor victim part of that triangle into play. And then I don't know, it's just been like a really interesting thing. I've been just like fascinated by this concept of like the subtle truth. And the apparent truth, as Buddha discussed, on the subtle level, everything is perfect and exactly as it is. We are all perfect and we are all amazing and our souls are perfect. And I love everyone. And then on the apparent level, your personality can fucking suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like on the subtle level, I love you. And on the apparent level, maybe you're a fucking asshole. And then how do you balance between those two truths? So anyways, that's it's- kind of been where I've been. Yeah, it's a really good point. I actually joke that for a while there, all I could see was ADHD people because on my feeds, and this just proves how much social media influences your mind. Like I was seeing ADHD everywhere. And then I started getting on the narcissist talk, so to speak. I was like, I see narcissists. I just saw them everywhere. Oh yeah. When I first read it, I was like, I'm a narcissist. Oh my God, I'm a narcissist. That was the first thing I thought when I read the description. And as I learned more, I'm like, no, I'm a human and we're all selfish sometimes. And I don't do these other things that are clearly narcissists. But of course, at first I was like, for a day or two, I'm like, I'm a narcissist. This is the problem with my life. This is everything comes down to me being a narcissist. (laughs) And then I'm like, wait a minute, narcissists never realize they're narcissists and they never change. And I've clearly changed and I'm not a narcissist. But that's what I think is interesting. And what we're going to be talking about today is narcissists are always trying to get energy, right? They're always trying to manipulate other people to get energy for themselves. From what I've read about it is my understanding of the energetics of a narcissist. I was thinking they are the persecutor in the triangle, but their own perception is that they are the victim. So it's kind of like with Parkinson's disease, the basal ganglia issue about perception. So a person with Parkinson's thinks they're creating normal range, like amplitude of movement, but they're actually creating very small movement. And so the issue is everyone else is seeing them as shuffling and in their mind, they see themselves as walking normal. And the main issue with Parkinson's is a perceptual issue of their motor. So I was like, oh my God, narcissism is kind of like the Parkinson's of the drama triangle. They appear to everyone else as the perpetrator, but in their mind, they're the victim. Yeah. One of the things we're going to be talking about today is how anybody who's in the drama triangle is ultimately a victim. 
everybody falls into the victim role eventually. So in some ways, maybe narcissists lack self-awareness of the fact that they're completely embedded in this drama triangle, right? That they're completely embedded in the whole idea of it because the drama triangle asks for energy from other people too, because it doesn't understand how to get energy from other sources, right? It, right. it needs to play victim and it needs to manipulate other people and the interactions in order to get energy in the form of whatever label you want to put on it love, you know, relinquishment of a responsibility and like whatever it is that will, you know, going on there. It's a pretty interesting thing. I do have a, actually, no. No, we kind of jumped right into the topic. We usually do a little prelude discussion. Is there anything you want to discuss about your last week? Well, you and I had a big fight. We did. It was so <laughs> it's funny. Our first time talking <laughs> since our uh, little fight. <laughs> it wasn't little for sure. <laughs> Should we share with the audience? My husband was like, after, you know, when we were in the middle of our fight, by the way, my kids always joke that I'm married to you. Yeah. They say that mommy's a lesbian and she's married to Christina Wiltsey. <laughs> and that's why we fought. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're just funny. And my whole family was aware of the fight and like everything. And Eric was like, you know, you guys could do a whole episode just on fighting with your best friend. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true, right? And these whole ideas of how so often with us, it's parallel play. It's us and our lives. And then we're able to come to each other as neutral partners to be able to be like, hey, what's going on with this? Can you help me with this? And then like, Obviously, now that we're collaborating on this podcast, all of a sudden, it was basically bound to happen. Any of the stuff that we needed, this was going to be the, I'm going to keep calling it a gift because it is, but it was the gift of being like, hey, now you're going to actually look at each other and you're going to critically look at each other and it's going to suck. And we're going to make the drama triangle really fucking apparent. <laughs> really fucking apparent. We're going to make it really yeah. apparent and we're going to do all that. But I think what's come out of it, I think that we could actually, like you said, we could have an entire episode on it and maybe we'll bring yeah. it up in one of the future ones to kind of describe a real world situation of how we played the roles of the drama, drama triangle. Yeah. Basically, we just went back and forth between persecutor, victim, and rescuer. I mean, it was just back and forth of persecutor, victim, basically, yeah. right? Wouldn't you say? I'd say so. I say one of the things I'm going to talk about in the episode is how I flip so quickly between them all. Like I will persecute someone and then I will immediately rescue them by apologizing and doing all this kind of stuff. Right. And then I like immediately go into, and then I feel the victim when they don't recognize that I'm rescuing them. It's just like for me. So I flip between them all so much at this point yeah. that I can't, but you're right in the main dynamic of what was happening. Both. We were just flipping back and forth between persecutor and victim. Yeah. But the well, really good thing I'm that sorry, came out of it. And I love you and I'm sorry. And <laughs> I'm no sorry more drama, please. <laughs> no more drama. I, one of the good thing that's no come more out drama. of it. Like no more drama. I'm like, I'm on a mission to eradicate the drama triangle from my life. Cause I see what a fucking energy suck it is. Mm -hmm. And I feel like. If we all got rid of the drama triangle, we would be immediately so much closer to enlightenment because, well, I want you to, to talk about it and all, but when we're done with that, I want to tie it into Buddha's teachings and how, mm -hmm. if you can get rid of this drama triangle, you fucking have gotten rid of so much shit, but we'll get to that later. But yeah. 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 The last thing I wanted to say about our fight before we're like getting into it is that I feel like this was the thing that Luke has been telling me for months, like months at this point. Every single time that I ever got like annoyed by something or anything that was going on with a podcast, Luke was just like, y'all need to sit down and have a conversation. He's like, y'all need to sit down and you need to say, this is what we're going to do. And it wasn't until it got to this point that I was like, oh shit, you're totally right, Luke. He's like, you say the things to Anna in a business context, because if you think of the podcast as a business, you say things to Anna in a business context that you would never say to your colleagues. And I say a lot to my colleagues, like I'm <laughs> probably say too much, you know, and I still say stuff to you. I would never say when you're in a professional relationship, there are just things that you don't say in order to recognize your role as well as order. Like professionalism exists for a reason. It's yes. To keep the goal on track. Really? Yeah. yeah. And not. Get, yeah. Well, so we took yeah. Luke's advice. Thank you, Luke. We've made two different chats. We have our best friend chat and then we have the podcast chat where we keep it professional and we have Karen helping us edit. So thanks, Karen. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> Very excited. Thank you, Anna, for getting Karen. Uh, it's all good. Hi, Christina, co-host of This Spiritual Fix. Has listening to our podcast stirred up something for you with the primal wounds? The good news is, is you have access, and that is the first step to transforming these wounds. We created support packages to help you through this process, and they're available on our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com. 
These packages were designed by Anna and I, combining techniques and hacks from our own experience working through our own wounds. Each packet contains a workbook and two meditations, one about forgiving those who have wounded you, including yourself, and one about reprogramming old beliefs. You can buy an individual support package or for those next level processors, all five packets, abandonment, injustice, rejection, betrayal, and humiliation. Available on our website in our shop. Cool. So let's get into it. Let's get, you can tell we're already so it. eager Thanks to get into the rescuer, Karen. Karen's a rescuer. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right. So you've made a similar de- declaration and I am also going to make a declaration that I am, what do they do in AA? And actually this relates. I, I recognize that there is something, wait, hold on. I can look it up. Well, what I want to do is I want to say, I am a drama addict. It has been maybe 18 hours since I last got pulled into the drama triangle. Before that, it was like five days and it was the best five days of my entire life. And my life had gotten completely out of control. Basically, my life was completely unmanageable. The amount of self-abuse, which is the inner drama triangle, which we'll talk about, as well as the amount of external drama triangle, of abuse of others and using that as the main dynamic in which I was talking to almost everybody, I am in recovery. Yeah, I agree. This is the first step of the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, in this case, the drama triangle, drama, and that our lives had become unmanageable. And we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Yes, I have been playing the drama triangle for my whole life and probably all my lifetimes playing this bullshit game, which is an addiction to the highs and lows of rescuing or persecuting or being the victim. And it's just a huge fucking distraction. It's just the story creator. It is the story factory of life. Like you have your events of life and they are the facts that occurred. You know, like the blue car drove past or whatever. Like it's just factual. And then you have the fucking victim, persecutor, rescuer bullshit. And that is the story generator. And like, The story generator, like, you know, one of the things that Buddha says is like the, one of the first things we need to shed on our path to enlightenment is the attachment to permanent personality. And where does the permanent personality come from? It comes from stories. And where do the stories come from? It comes from this fucking triangle. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate goal of the triangle is a shame generator, right? Which goes back, like, we'll talk a little bit more about the wounds because I feel like the wounds is like, I think it's the pre-work to this in some ways. And I'll talk about that in a bit, but what we've talked about during the wounds is that humiliation and shame is the lowest feeling. It's like the bottom of the barrel and the drama triangle is all about shame in whatever way it can be, right? It's all about generating the victim. Even if you're the persecutor, even if you're the rescuer, when you're the victim, it's a shame generating cycle. And basically it's a self-hatred. You could also say it's a self-hatred generating cycle and it's a hatred of others. Like it basically, all it does is generate negativity in its machine. It's amazing. It is the food. It is the karmic food of life existence. It is this this bullshit. And if you're on the path to liberation, ultimate liberation, which is what Chris and I strive for, and we don't pretend to be close to it. If you're on the path to liberation, this is an amazing thing to shed to get closer to that. All right. So the original person who generated the drama triangle, just to give you guys some background, was a doctor named Dr. Stephen Karpman. And he generated the original basic understanding of the victim, rescuer, persecutor triangle. And we want to give you guys a direct example right now of what that is. And this was originally published in a article by Linda Graham, who was talking about the triangle of victim, rescuer, persecutor, what it is and how to get out of it. Okay. My name's going to be John. I'm going to be the husband. And I'm going to be Mary. I'm the wife. Okay, here comes John, persecutor. I can't believe you burned dinner. That's the third time this month. Well, Johnny fell and skinned his knee. Dinner burned while I was busy trying to get him a bandage, rescuer. You baby that boy too much, persecutor. You wouldn't want him to get an infection, would you? I'd end up having to take care of him while he was sick, victim. He's big enough to get his own bandage, rescuer. I just didn't want him bleeding all over the carpet, rescuer. You know what's the problem with these kids? They expect you to do everything, rescuer. That's only natural, honey. They're just young, rescuer. I work like a dog all day at a job I hate, victim. Yes, you do work very hard, dear, rescuer. And I can't even sit down to a good dinner, victim. I can cook something else. It won't take too long, rescuer. A waste of an expensive steak, persecutor. 
Well, maybe if you could have hauled your ass out of your chair for a minute while I was busy, it wouldn't have gotten burned, persecutor. You didn't say anything. How was I supposed to know, persecutor? As if you couldn't hear Johnny crying. You're always ignoring the kids, persecutor. I do not. I just need time to sit and relax and unwind after working all day. You don't know what it's like, victim. Sure, as if taking care of the house and kids isn't work, persecutor. That was a very realistic conversation. <laughs> and you could see how they facilitated so quickly back and forth between the different roles. Absolutely. And that's really the key with this is, is that the, the vast, the, the going back and forth between them, it's not, people don't permanently sit in rescuer or they don't permanently sit in victim. They may have a predominance towards a certain thing externally, but we're running through all of them all the time. And they all, they all egg each other on all the time. What's the story you want to tell about persecutors? Oh, I wanted just to say that I brought it up in this podcast a couple of times that there's like this one person that I can't stand. Mm -hmm. And it's like the one person keeping me from enlightenment because in, in, in the way of like, I have ill will towards this person and I can't stand him. Well, after Chris told me about the, the triangle the other night, I went to bed and I played a Ho'oponopono theta waves while I'm sleeping. And I, before I made, went to sleep, I just made the intention. I said, as I sleep, I want to forgive all the parts of me that are persecutor, rescuer, and victim. So I just fell asleep listening to, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. With the intention that as I slept, I was going to be washing away and forgiving those aspects of myself. So anyways, yes, nobody knows. Nobody knows I did that. Okay. And this person that I had a big falling out with for I guess it's been like five years now. We have only spoken twice in those five years. And both times I was the persecutor. I attacked him and I called him a gaslighter and an narcissist and an asshole and every name in the book. And yesterday my husband was with him. They're on a road trip. And my husband had the phone on speaker, which he always does. So in the car, you know, he's Bluetooth speaking. We were talking and this person chimed in and we all three had a conversation and it was amiable. And it was fine. And uh, I hung up and I said, thanks. And the funny thing was, is I hung up and I was like, what just happened? Somehow in my voice, without him knowing, he must have felt that I was no longer per the persecutor of him. And he felt comfortable to talk, even though I never addressed him in the conversation. He spoke up in the conversation and I welcomed it. And when I hung up, I was like, I don't necessarily want to be best friends with this person or invite this person over, but I'm done playing the victim and, and I'm done playing the persecutor with him. Like it doesn't serve me. Like, like I don't want that anymore. And it felt so good not to, I was like the, the peace that I felt hanging up and being like, I don't want to play that role anymore was so much better than the high I got from being like, he's the asshole and I'm the victim, you know, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I'm going to give you guys, um, I'm going to go into just briefly like the story too that I had of how I came to the declaration of being an addict because I learned, I've been learning so much about this. And these are my learnings that I'm going to tell you guys here in a minute of like what I've, like what I found out is why I enter the drama triangle and how I recognize it in myself. So Anna, you've just done an amazing job of describing kind of a persecutor victim relationship. Why don't we just give a big, brief Please, description yes, of what we were talking are. about it. We jumped right in and we don't have any, we need <laughs> to provide the audience with some context. So first we're going to start with a brief description of the persecutor. And I'm going to tell this from the perspective of being probably I'm just going to be really transparent because I don't really know how to not be transparent. Um, but it, the persecutor, um, is a persona in myself that I have seen for many, many years. My persecutor is highly vengeful and I've associated it with the injustice wound in particular. My persecutor is always looking for things to be fair and always wanting to be heard. That could also be partially victim because it's just all in that same triangle. And I started this journey because I wanted to find out how to get rid of my persecutor because I could feel it with my kids. Whenever I got angry, it was always, it, it always went directly from, I'm a victim. I feel like a victim of whatever motherhood because I like wasn't accepting it to be perfectly honest until like a week ago, I wasn't accepting 
motherhood and all that comes with it. I was very resistant to it. And, and so I would just immediately flip from feeling like a victim of my circumstance to persecuting those around me. And I never, obviously like having experienced a fair amount of like abuse, um, verbal and emotional abuse, I can say that I probably was borderline, if not totally into that because I lacked the emotional maturity to show my kids a different way. And so I will admit that, you know, and if they hear this years in past, they'll be like, oh, well, I'm so messed up mom because of you. And I'll be like, absolutely. But hopefully the 10 or so years or the, you were with me when I didn't have the drama triangle, were able to wash out the six years or four years that you had when I was totally immersed in it. But, you know, with the persecutor, the persecutor their main aim is to either generate shame or generate supremacy. So it's very similar to both humiliation and injustice in the, in the way that we're doing it. And obviously this is the traditional abuser, right? And one of the things that we all know about abusers is that they were usually abused themselves and they flipped into the opposite role because it's what they know. And it's because they no longer want to be in a powerlessness position. So they then like they're an energy the vampire in a way they're trying to get that energy lost. Back. Exactly. Exactly. So w- ways to recognize the persecutor is obviously anyone who acts out and basically starts to blame other people for anything that's happening. Um, they are people, they are highly controlling of situations. Obviously when we get into next level, you know, abuse, we're not going to go that far into it, but you may have a persecutor in your life, in which case then you are probably immersed in the drama triangle in a very external way. But those are ways of recognizing that the perpetrator, those you have to be right. You don't want to be questioned. You don't want anything to go accord, not according to your understanding or your plan. You're continually upset if they don't, if you're not heard, those are all kind of facets of the perpetrator, the victim. Do you want to go with the victim? Do you oh, want sure. To describe the victim. Yep. Sure. Cause I'm really good at that one. <laughs> That's my spice in life. <laughs> well, I think if you have an abandonment wound or a rejection wound, it's more, that's more in the abandonment rejection side of things is like, you are the victim of others. If you feel pain, it's because someone else has inflicted it upon you and poor me, poor me. There's just a lot of, I need someone to rescue me. I need someone to take care of me. I'm hurting. And it's not because life can hurt sometimes. And it's not because I created some fucked up mental patterns in my brain. It's because you out there have hurt me. It's a lot of displacement of responsibility for your pain. Yep. You know, and I think it can come across as like, you never listen to me or that's more persecuting, right? To be like, you don't listen to me. You don't hear me. But like, just to be like, you know, to be hurt and ruminating over I'm hurting and it's because of what they've done. And I'm the victim here and yada, yada, yada. I think you're right though. Actually, I think, I think this, this goes back to that point we were talking about in the prelude, which was that we flip so easily between them that a persecutor could be like, you don't listen to me. I don't feel heard. Like in a second, like you can literally go from being the persecutor to the victim immediately. And maybe they all need each other to live. Exactly. Need each other. Exactly. And, and ultimately the victim is looking for Ultimately, the victim is looking for relinquishment from responsibility in their life, right? They're not wanting to make decisions or they're not wanting to be, they're wanting to be protected, right? They're always looking to be protected. They're always looking to be relinquished of the authority to step into their lives. The world is done to them and it's not done. Life is not happening to you, for you or life is happening to you and not for you. Yes. I was going to say the difference between, if they're all energy vampires, it's like the victim is the one who wants to passively and manipulatively suck your energy. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think the persecutor is more like, I'm going to grab your energy right out of your hand. Yep. It's a more active versus a passive. Yeah. 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 And then the rescuer, do you want to do some, we're going to do some more on the rescuer here in a minute. So if you just want to do a brief one. I I actually have a beautiful quote that came up yesterday. And of course I'm seeing the world through the lens of the drama triangle right now. So I saw this quote by Matt Kahn and I'm like, that is so the rescuer healing. So it says, you're learning to be nourished by the love you give, not by the validation offered in response to your giving. I'm going to say that one more time. You're learning to be nourished by the love you give, not by the validation offered in response to your giving. 
So what that's saying is this is an example of someone coming out of the rescuer triangle is learning to become nourished by the love you give and not the validation you get from giving to others, which I think is what the rescuer does a lot. It's a lot of fake giving. Like, um, it's kind of like, you know, it's like the person who you have the person who donates anonymously to a charity. And then you have the person who donates and puts it on their Facebook and, you know, makes little TikTok videos about them giving someone, you know, someone who needs Mm -hmm. shoes, shoes. It's like, it's like, it's this idea that it's your persona. It's your character. It's like, look at me, look how great I am. I am going to make myself think I'm amazing because of the validation I get from others when I give to them or rescue them versus a true and altruistic joy from just loving and giving. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that is so interesting is, is that you don't, if you don't receive the validation as the rescuer, then you immediately go into victim or persecutor. Right. Like, you know, you can, the yardstick for knowing, are you truly giving out of love or are you being a rescuer is if you don't get the response you want, how do you react? Yeah. (laughs) Or do you even have a response you're looking for? Truly? Yep. No, that's it. That's it entirely. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell you guys the story of how I came to the declaration at the beginning of the thing, because I learned a lot in this experience and it's literally been five days and I feel like I've just been completely immersed in it, but kind of the setup for where, how I got to this place. And I will say this, I feel like a completely different person. Me too. I only have (laughs) been in it for like two or three days since you told me about it. And I am like, I'm like, whoa, this is fast. Like I have in my head now, all the things I want to do with this. And I can just foresee myself being my life being so much better without this bullshit. Yep. Yep. Um, the fascinating thing is those, of course it was Robbie who originally told me about the drama triangle, but it was interesting because the first time I heard about the drama triangle, it was in relation to permanent roles. If that makes sense. Um, as opposed to the constant flipping back and forth, like, like Robbie put the seed in my head about the drama triangle because I would be doing holotropic breathing, which is one of the things that she specializes in. And I would go into my ancestral abuse pattern. Like I could see the abuse in the abusee and I would be purging that from my body during these holotropic breathing things, which are kind of like shamanic breathing. It's like, it's a, it kind of resembles hyperventilating a little bit. Um, but it is in a controlled environment with people who know what they're doing. Uh, And I would go through these roles like like my grandfather would be the abuser and my so-and-so would be this and they would have that title and they would never change from that title like even if I knew that maybe they were abused themselves it was only in their persona of like hey I am the abuser my grandfather is the abuser that made it so that I understood the drama triangle in its very first instance and so fast forward to this balls to the walls fight that Anna and I have. And I am to the point where I don't even feel like I can say anything, right? Like, I don't feel like I can say anything without hurting people's feelings. And this is, this comes back from a lot of my childhood stuff in which that's what I was always told. I was told that, that everything I said was inflammatory, everything that I said was saying, and yes, it's actually true. I am quite an inflammatory person in general. I like to, I, I, I kind of, I, I came to the point in the middle of this argument with Anna and I, because it felt like it was coming, not just from Anna, it was coming from other fields as well, that I thought that I was Shiva, the destroyer, right? Um, Kali, the destroyer. I thought of myself as my role on earth was to trigger people and make them hate me. And that that was just my role in world in the world was that I was supposed to like, like you can see how this is next level victim, by the way. Um, (laughs) but you know, I I was, I was to this point where my level of self-hatred in my body that I had after having this fight with Anna, um, and after seeing it everywhere, I was just, I was completely overwhelmed with my self-hatred. Um, it was like every single fight that I'd ever had as a kid had come to the surface and all of it was, all the evidence was completely distorted, but all the evidence was pointed to the fact that I was just meant to be a destroyer of people, that I was meant to trigger them and that that was my only role in the world and that I was never going to have true love and I was never going to have um, people who would stick by me because all I, all I was ever supposed to do was either be the persecutor, whatever you want to call it, I didn't have that language at the time, or I was supposed to be the destroyer. 
Like that's where I got. And I was at the bottom of my self-hatred barrel. It was so funny because at that day, at the same day that this happened, all of my devices showed full storage. Like literally every single one of them, like gave me an indicator, like my, my cloud account, both my clouds account, all my clouds account, my phone, my other phone, like all of any device that I possibly had that had any storage were all like, they all gave me reminders that day that you were full, that I was full of hate, (laughs) of hate. (laughs) That's it. I was completely full of hate and that my self-abuse cycle had gotten to such a point that I could no, I literally couldn't be filled up with anything else because I had just determined that this was my life and that I was just going to, I just, I was bound to just be a self-abusive person. And I was bound to be the destroyer of all of my relationships and all of people's anything. But you don't really believe that because you sought help in Robbie. You're like, no, I'm going to fix this. And I'm, I mean, ultimately you do believe in coming out of it because you went and got help. Right. Whether or not that was my rescuer is not the camera, but, but no, I'm just joking. So yes, no, ultimately, I mean, this is the thing. I was so miserable. It was like, I broke, like, I really do think I broke at some point. And it was on Sunday morning when I was editing the uh, episode that came out this past week. And it was like, I, it, the, the thing that has been happening in his tandem to all of this, which you guys have heard, um, or, or actually you may or may not have heard, but is that I've been doing an RTT, um, which is a rapid transformational therapy. And so I'm in the middle of 21 days of listening to a recording that basically is like, you're lovable, you're lovable. <laughs> like, you know, like doing, uh, like basically right. telling me. He, he makes you a track after the session that's yeah. specific to you. Yeah. And it was very, it wasn't just you're lovable, but the whole point of it was you are an amazing person who is lovable. And I feel like what happened was that as I was going through this RTT that was trying to, to, to change my brain, my brain was resisting in the worst possible way. Like it just did not want to change. It was like, I am not fucking lovable. I am a destroyer. I hate myself. And this whole thing in the background every day for 13 minutes, I would listen and just be like, you are lovable. You people like you, they go, you know, like it was like, you know, you can see it's like a cliche of like, I'm going to go in the car and listen to a track that tells me that I'm lovable, but, but but it was like that. And so Sunday is when it came down to it, where I was just like, it was like the RTT overcame the self-hatred, right? It was like, it finally, the message finally got through that I was lovable and worthy. And I, and I honestly don't know if I even would have gone into any of this, if it hadn't been for the fact that my mind was directly resisting the fact to think that the statement that I was lovable. And so, you know, when it comes down, when it came down to it, I was upset about how I acted as an editor. I was upset. I was creating this victim persecutor. I was just creating this drama triangle in such a massive way. And it was like, I just, I just broke. I just broke. Like something inside of me broke. The resistance broke into a million pieces. And all of a sudden I was like, this is a triangle. I was like, I was like, Robbie's teaching came up. Okay, I am lovable. This is not me. Like this drama triangle is not me. This isn't me. I don't have to be this. This is this is a dynamic. This is a way that I have been taught to interact and I've never been taught another way to interact. You know, I went into that RTT too, by the way, just as a background with the aim of becoming emotionally mature. That was my intention because I knew that I was immature, but I didn't have the words. I didn't have this drama triangle to be able to describe why I was emotionally immature with my interactions. And so I was upset and I was basically like, Hey Luke, I'm going to go for a walk. And I started off on this walk and I had this ball of upset in my body. And I was just like, I was upset. I was upset and I just kept holding it in my body, which is something I do not normally do because what happens with the drama triangle that I found out is that basically it's like a hot potato. It's like, who wants to feel shitty? And then if you're the persecutor, you push it to somebody else. If you're the victim, you push it to someone else. You're kind of constantly pushing around this, this hot potato of blame and shame. And the faster you can push it off yourself, the less you actually have to feel it yourself, which is one what of does the, the rescuer do with it? 
by the way. The rescue tries to take it away from people? Uh, the rescuer tries to take it away from people by pushing it onto people. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're taking it from somebody, but then they're immediately pushing it away. Like they, they are the only one that I, the victim basically takes it, Both everybody takes it and then pushes it away. Like it's kind of a, a psych, right. And so this, this hot potato of shame and blame and just nastiness, I was just like, I'm just going to hold this in my body. I'm not going to push this anywhere else right now because that's what I've been taught. Like that's the drama triangle. The drama triangle has taught me that I need to get rid of this and that I need to speak my truth and tell Anna how I feel about this particular thing. But what happens if I just hold this in my body and I just recognize that this is my pain. This is pain that is not as a result of some bullshit, whatever that I made up in my head, the story that I made up in my head about why I'm upset. This is an old pain and it is sitting in my body and I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm not pushing it on to anybody else. And then after that, Good it was job, like the, the fucking, the fucking skies cleared. And for three days, I was just like, well, four days, really, I was just completely clear. It was like, I had no, it was like, I just had met, it was like, like I said, something broke and I was just like, ah, oh, I don't awesome. need to do this Good. anymore. I love that. Okay. So it kind of reminds me so much of the Buddha sense doors. Buddha discusses that we have the six sense doors, mind, touch, smell, hearing, oh, seeing and thought. Yep. And that sensory sensations come into us and then we identify them like a sense and sensations come in and then we're like, it's either pleasant or unpleasant or blank blind. If they're pleasant, we cling to them. If they're unpleasant, we push them away. And that's constantly happening on this very, very subtle perceptual level that most of us are unconscious of. Like you have to be in deep meditation or you have to learn to be deeply aware of these things which is why it takes 10 days in those courses to get there. But like, basically we're constantly being inundated with stimulations, which are either pleasant or unpleasant. And then you make the deduction. If it's pleasant, I'm going to try to get more of it. If it's unpleasant, I'm going to push it away. And then I was thinking the drama triangle is like a macrocosm of this, but it's an interpersonal macrocosm because when you're sitting on your meditation mat, you're actually not interacting with anybody. Like no one's there to really like elicit a pleasant or unpleasant sensation on your body. But then when you're like interacting in the world, that is happening on the macro level, which is it's a much bigger level. Whereas people are doing things that are either pleasant or unpleasant. And if they're doing something that is pleasant, you try to get more of it. And so you, how do you do that? By either being the persecutor, victim or rescuer to get more of that back. And then if they're they're doing something that's unpleasant. You don't want it. You push it away. And again, you go into your persecutor, rescuer, victim dynamic to push it away. So it's kind of like sitting on your mat, observing pleasant or unpleasant sensations, holding it, observing it, not responding to it is in essence, the microcosm version of observing pleasant and unpleasant interaction with people. And then just holding that feel the feelings that come up. And, and not trying to react to them and push them back onto someone. So that's what I was trying to say earlier, how like this is the macrocosm of what can go on on the meditation mat with people. Because on the meditation mat, it's a solo game, but the the triangle is a interpersonal game. Anyways. Yep. yep. No, and so that's good a really job. Good job. Because <laughs> you probably broke a huge, like, like the thing is, is if, you know, Marissa Peer talks so much about making the familiar unfamiliar and the unfamiliar familiar, because she says that the brain does not like to change. It's resistant to change like neuro highways and da, 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 da. So if you really want something in your life, like make it familiar for 21 days in essence. So basically if for 21 days you can commit to breaking this, this chain response, stimulus response of the drama triangle and make that familiar to you, you have just created such a huge opportunity for yourself. So like what you did that day on your walk, sure. It was just one, one thing that you did, but what you in essence did, you probably broke open so many neural pathways in your brain to be like, there's a new way to handle this, you know? Yep. So it's yep. really awesome. So good job. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And so what Anna's talking about there too, is like, is the external versus the internal. And I kind of want to, I, I spoke about this earlier and I want to touch on this is that when we're in the drama triangle, it can either show up externally in our relationships with others, or it can show up internally with the voices within our heads. And we've talked about this a couple of different times about 
hey, I have an intrusive thought person. And then I have a person who's going to be critical and judging of everything else. And then I'm going to have the person who's like the victim and saying, well, I don't want to be this way. And then, and then it basically becomes this internal monologue of the inner triangle that basically forms a form of self-abuse. You are the persecutor and the rescuer and the victim within your own head. And you're continually generating stories from this dynamic that just happens in your head, right? So it's like, not only do you have the external level of people and you have the atomic level of feeling sensations in your body, but you also have the thoughts in your head, which is, I guess, kind of similar to what Anna was saying, but you also have the thoughts in your head. And what I was recognizing on this walk was that my, everybody has said to me, every spiritual teacher I've ever had has said to me that my mind is very strong and has a tendency to work against me. Some spiritual teachers will go that far, that the strength of my mind has got me into trouble. And the more I work and, and knowing, I've known that for many years that I need to break, and I say break it, but you know, like I need to, I need to break the hold that my mind has as the alpha in my experience, right? I've tried to do a lot of heart work and I've tried to do stuff like this, but nothing compared to what I've been doing this past week, it seems. But one of the things that I was recognizing was that my drama triangle inside my, my inner drama triangle, my self-abuse was next level, right? And I'll give you two examples of that. One was that a perfect example is like when I was fighting, when I fought with Anna, on that Sunday morning, we didn't even fight. We were just having a conversation, but my level of self-abuse had dramatic, made it dramatically like a fight, even though it wasn't because it's an addiction to drama, right? We are, we admit that. I admit that. Is that like Anna said something like she was trying to help me with uh, how to edit something. And I was like, I'm an expert at this. Like, and so my persecutor came out, right? I was like, I'm an expert at this. Don't question my authority. Uh, I literally spent so much time doing this before I even came to you. And then, and then she was just like, and then I went directly into the rescue and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said it that way. I didn't know how to do it this way. And then the whole Anna's just like not even responding this whole time. And she's like, whatever, I have thick skin, but I literally went through the ringer in that conversation because I went from having to uh, exert my authority and be like, why don't you believe me? Why don't you believe that I tried so hard to do this edit and da, 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 da. And then I was like, oh, and now I'm so sorry that I did it. And then I started feeling like the victim because she didn't recognize that I was the expert. And therefore I was like, oh, I tried so hard to make this perfect. And she didn't even listen. And she did. It was just like, I was like, this is fucking next level that I literally can form all three of these in a single in a single interaction and the other person has no fucking clue it's even going on maybe Anna did because she knows me well but like <laughs> I, I just I can't even and so the, and then the other way I do it next level and maybe you guys can relate to this but I've talked a lot about my obsession with the formless and how much I want to be in the formless and don't want to be in the world that is the fucking drama triangle, but it's taken to a level of fucking existence. Existential drama triangle. <laughs> it's an existential drama Poor triangle. Me. I'm the victim of my own choices. I'm in a human body. Poor me. I literally was doing it towards fucking enlightenment. Okay. I was towards like existence and I, human I, body. I was, I was like, I was like, I was like, oh my God. I am such an asshole. Why can't I become enlightened? This is so fucking ridiculous. Why am I stuck here again? Why didn't my past lives do this? That's the persecutor. And then I was like, and then oh, I was you like, persecuted oh, your past lives of you. Oh, oh my I persecuted God. my past lives. I persecute my past days. Like I literally was persecuting. Like I hated myself yesterday for not doing the thing. And then I still wouldn't do it today <laughs> because I was playing the victim. And so it was like, and then and then I would, the rescue, the fascinating thing is that, you know, we talk about, it's called this spiritual fix. My rescuer was my rescuer from the formless. All of my going out and trying to find all these different methods for doing shit was me trying to rescue myself from form, was trying to rescue myself <laughs> from life. Like this is fucking next level shit. You cracked it. Shit. You cracked your existential crisis. I'm so happy. <laughs> I knew this day was coming. I didn't know how or when. This is awesome. <laughs> so it was just like, it was so amazing because after that, 
just in these days that happened, like I just, I love my kids. I love spending time with them. I've accepted being a mother. I've, I've, I don't get angry anymore. I don't get the flash pan anger anymore. I don't get the, I start listening to music and I'm just doing it. Like I'm enjoying life in a way that I've never understood in my entire fucking conscious life that I can remember. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. I love it. Oh, I do want to say one thing before we get into the rescuer is why do we do this? All right. Do, 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 do. Addiction. <laughs> it's addiction. It's, it is addiction. It's addiction to a it's, certain use of energy. It's, it's so much. It's um, as Buddha would say, the three causes of suffering are wanting what you don't have, not wanting what you do have and ignorance. And I think ignorance is the big umbrella here. Like you don't know another way because this is what your parents did and your grandparents and everyone in school. And like going back eons and eons, there was drama triangles and some families more dramatic than others. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, drama has followed us all. And that's an ignorant thing. And then I think there's the craving, like the chasing the next high kind of thing. Cause it's yep. like, it feels really good to persecute someone. <laughs> Let me tell you, it, it feels does. really good that when you're angry, not having to deal with, cause they say that when you're angry, you're actually really sad. Like anger is a cover for sadness. So like, let me avoid feeling sad. Cause that's an unpleasant sensation. And let me push that sadness away in the form of anger. And that makes me feel really good. It's like a high, right? So like you get that high of, of relieving yourself of having to actually address your own sadness. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, I think Abraham Hicks says that anger is like a vibrational fat. It's a faster vibration than grief and sadness too. So it's like, as you move out of the, the, the quote unquote, like negative emotional spectrum and into the positive one, it's like, you're having to transform the energy into a, a higher frequency, but it's like, let's go from victim to persecutor to rescuer. And we're still in the negative things, right. but go ahead. Yeah. Oh no. I was just going to say, so it's just like, you know, when you're a rescuer and you're believing that false personality of I'm so amazing, I've rescued them. That's a high, you know, there's a high there. And when you get really mad at someone and you're like, you're a fucking asshole. And then sometimes you'll have the person who like, lets you like, you know, a lover will like, okay, I'm going to let you vent honey. And you just like go off on them. That feels really good too. Addiction. And then the victim I think with the victim, it's also just like displacement of responsibility. Let me, let me avoid the unpleasant, which is to actually deal with my own shit and be a grown up here. And let me play the victim card and, 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 and just like move that unpleasant sensation onto someone else. But the sad thing is, is eventually you're going to have to address all the shit that comes up. Like there is no escape. Like I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, injustice is the wound that makes you think that if everything was fair, you would somehow avoid pain. Uh-uh. Life has inevitable pain and suffering in it. And whether or not things are quote unquote fair, it's going to hurt anyways. And so do you think that like justifying that person or that person saying sorry, or like, you know, that person recognizing it, had they hurt you or you rescuing that person? Like, do you think that if you even all these scales out in the drama triangle that you're going to be any happier? No, you're not because pain I mean, you can't escape the pain you were born to experience and live mm -hmm. in this life. And I think the drama triangle is just like one big distraction story. It's a story. It's a story factory to just avoid feeling your own pain. It's like the only way out of it is through it. There is no way around your pain. And the triangle is just this big old fucking, it's kind of like, you know what it is? It's like, if the, tri if it's a triangle, the center of the triangle is pain. And it's like, you're trying to sh bypass your pain yeah. by like going to the different corners of the triangle. And, but you can't like the only way through it is just go to the center and be okay with feeling your pain. Yeah. Feel your holes until you become whole. Yeah. Right? And then you don't have to play this game. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about it too. I was thinking about the drama triangle and I was like, well, if you're in the, if, if you're trying to step away from the drama triangle, then how do you decide if you want to associate with a quote unquote toxic person, let's say. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, you also have human discretion. Like, are you going to go hang out with a rapist? No, like, like you still have your boundaries and standards. So I was thinking of it. It's more like this. It's like, let's say you're going to buy a new car and you get to the auto dealership and they have just a red car and a white car. And like, ultimately, which one you pick, you're going to pick the one you like. Are you going to pick the red one or the white one? Which color do you like the most? You don't get to make a story 
about, I am the victim because I got a red car, not a white car, or I am the persecutor because fuck the white car. I got the red, you know, like there is no story to be made about the color of your car. It's just the color of your car. It's as benign and objective and distant to your identity as like the color of your car. It doesn't fucking matter what color your car is. And it doesn't really stick you in the drama triangle. That makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, let's say you're dating somebody or friends with someone who is a narcissist or abuser or quote unquote toxic. When you get out of this drama triangle, you can decide to have that person in your life or not. And it will be as objective as choosing a red or white car. You don't, you're not going to be like my sister or my aunt or my boyfriend or whatever. They're, they're persecuting me. They're a narcissist there. I can't live with a narcissist. You know, you don't have to go into that whole story. You can just you can take a step back and it's like, do I want a red car or do I want a white car? Do I want this person in my life or do I not want them in their life? And it just becomes so easy to make that decision when you can take yourself out of the drama triangle and stop playing the game because that game is just a big distraction from what you want. Do you want a red car or a white car? Yep. And, and another example, that's a great, that's a great way of, of describing it. And I think another example too is, um, so if you have, a, if you want, if you're tempted at this point to go back into your past and be like, this is how I got the drama triangle, right? Because one of the reasons that we do it is because we're taught how to do it. Because I think I read some statistic and and this was after a lot of meta studies and things like that, that around 70% of people in the world are experiencing their predominant social dynamic is the drama triangle. Okay. So 70% of the fucking world is doing this. So what are the, the other 30% doing? Cause I they're, want to do that. they're moving out. They're moving. I know they're moving out. I'll talk about when we, when we go to the healing episode, I'll talk about like the different stages of consciousness, which I think is really interesting because basically there's five stages of consciousness and the first three are all in the drama triangle. And then there's four and five, which are like systemic. Like you're starting to recognize your part in things like you don't so we're like at a three plus here yeah yeah something like that we're like three we've got one foot in three and one foot in four (laughs) exactly that's it is that you may be tempted to go back and persecute your abusers or the parents who didn't know any better and taught you that this was the only interaction that you could have that's still in the drama triangle So that may be controversial to say because, but this is the reason I say that it's actually not controversial because I'm going to tell you the way that you could do it, which is what I've been doing all week, which is when you pull yourself out of the drama triangle, right? And then you go back to heal your inner child, like your inner child who is feeling these things. I've gone back to my inner child at certain ages for the same issues so many fucking times I can't even tell you, but it's never been effective until this week. Because what was happening was that I was still stuck in the drama triangle. And then I was going back to myself forming itself in the drama triangle. Like I was basically going back to like when I was 11 and I was experiencing the victim part of the drama triangle. And I was going back to six when I was experiencing the persecutor type of the, like I was going back without being the actual mature, emotionally mature parent that I needed to be. Right. And that's the difference. Like I, I say, I'm going to, you were going back through the lens of another part on the triangle versus coming back as the all knowing, all accepting one. That's exactly it. Right. So I say emotionally mature versus emotionally immature, but, and that, and that also may be controversial, but what I'm saying is, is that parents who only interact with their kids in the drama triangle, I am declaring myself to be that as of, you know, as I come out of it, but like are emotionally immature. We need to teach our kids a different way of, of interacting and we need to teach them from the youngest age possible to not be in the drama triangle. And if you're having to go back and do that work with your inner child, which is your, your kid as well, like all of the self yourself as, as a young person, you have the ability to go back and parent in the right way. And the best way to do that is to not be in the drama triangle and go back and you'll find that it's effective in a way that you've never maybe seen before. If you have been doing it from the perspective of I'm a victim and I have to go and save myself, right? Which is the rescuer. So you want to say a little bit about the rescuer here, Anna? The rescuer. Yes. We're going to oh, go guess- into all three into more depth. Okay. And so I'll go into the rescuer because yeah. I have the, as to anyone who has listened to the primal wound series, you would know that I am the abandonment or I have had a very strong abandonment wound and therefore a lot of codependency. 
And the codependent is the rescuer. They try to make themselves indispensable to others that they will never leave them. And so what does that mean look like? It looks like a lot of rescuing behaviors. So what do I do? I chose a career that rescues people. I I work with people who are either acutely or chronically disabled or in pain and need help learn um, getting better again. So I get to go and rescue them and I get to be their little savior for the hour that I'm with them. And in my home, do you know that my husband probably changed in the course of two children's lives? He probably changed a total of 20 diapers because when he was grossed out, I was going to rescue him from being grossed out. If anything, he didn't like to do anything. I was going to rescue him from his own frustration and I was going to do it. So that meant I did it like I did all the meals and all the cooking and cleaning and a lot of the annoying childcare stuff. Why? Because I was rescuing my husband from frustration. But what did that do? It it was fucked up. <laughs> because what, what the rescuer does is they kind of like in their head have this invisible tally, which is like, I'm gonna rescue you and I'm gonna be I'm gonna constantly rescue you from all your pain and suffering so that when I need you, my bank account is full. Like I have I have deposited a lot of money in our bank account. So when I need it, I can make a big withdrawal. So what the rescuer I think does is like constantly depositing in this bank account, knowing that one day I'm going to need to make a withdrawal and I won't have to feel guilty for it. Yeah. Um, It's also a very big trap though. It's a trap. Oh, it's a trap. trap. It's like a trap because if it doesn't happen, then you can automatic, you literally can full fall. So it's, it's like the most amazing dopamine hit. It's like, it's like you're putting you're basically putting all of this stuff in this bank. So when somebody trips it, you're literally going to get this flood of everything you've ever done for everybody else. And you can be the victim in the biggest possible way. Oh yeah. Right? And like, I used to joke, it's not true now. Like my husband's definitely changed. And as I've done the the wound healing, I've changed. But like, I used to joke that if I died, my husband wouldn't last a week because he wouldn't know how to use the washing machine or the dishwasher or feed the kids. Like I joked that like without me, this whole family would fall apart and why, and, and, you know, and I kind of took pride in the fact that like everything would fall apart without me because that gave me incredible power and incredible leverage. Yeah. It was just a fucked up little manipulation thing. And I admit I was powerless to that and I'm coming out of it. And I don't think I do it that much at all now. Like now I really try to strive to like do things that I want to do. And like, and he, you know, he does all the cooking lately, which is, you know, amazing. And I love it. In a nutshell, the rescue is all about, I'm going to make deposits in a bank, an invisible bank account so I can withdraw them when I need to. And then I also get to like live in this like house of mirrors, you know, Mm -hmm. where like I see myself is so amazing. Look at me, look how great I am. Like my husband made our Wi-Fi. Anna is amazing. You know, like, let me put myself on a pedestal and let me Mm -hmm. let everyone else put me on a pedestal. And I just enjoy the pedestal. Like the rescuer loves living on the pedestal, but we all fall off of pedestal. So, yep. Yep. And that's a, and that's a really great example of the macro where you can see the abandonment wound is pulling the wounds into this, like the abandonment wounds, the way that I think of the interaction between the wounds and the drama triangle is that the wounds are like that. It's, it's like the picture. It's like the picture that you're going to be doing and the, and the drama triangle like depending on which one you choose is like either a pencil, a crayon or a pen, right? It's like, it's like how we met out and how we express the wounds in our life is through the drama triangle because it's all at that kind of resonance. And so when you have the abandonment wound, which is a codependent, then you have the abandonment wound is almost always going to pick up the rescuer pen to write all about their abandonment, if you know what I'm saying, right? right? It doesn't mean that you can't go into the other ones, but I think that wounds, particular wounds, have favored, favored dynamics. places, favored right. dynamics in the in the drama triangle. And yeah, so, injustice is the persecutor. Abandonment is rescuer, but they do flip into victim very yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. What is it? Humiliation would be victim. And persecutor. It's both. Yeah. It's the yeah. creation of, of that shame. Yep. And then, uh, and then betrayal is a mixture of all of them. It's always been a mixture of all of them. I feel like, because it, 
constantly yeah. thinks it creates plans to control things so that it can the, be the persecutor be the victim. And, yeah. and so they won't be the victim. It's trying to prevent being the victim by rescuing other people so they don't have to make decisions and then being really pissed off in the persecutor when they when And you then know, yeah, you have your wo- primal wounds that can play in this drama triangle and then you can also look at it with the lens of say ment- uh, neurodivergent behavior like for me I have PMDD, which means that for three days out of the month, I turn into like full on persecutor, like my hormones get out of whack. And so for three days, I am, I facilitate between victim persecutor and persecutor is strong. Like I call her my dragon because she is just like out to burn everything down. And because I know I do this the rest of the month when I'm mentally stable, I really have amped up my rescuer game because I need to put more money in my bank. So it's like, let me keep putting money in my bank. Let me be amazing. Let me do everything for everyone. Let me just be fucking brilliant and loving and kind and forgiving and over the top helpful so that when I do turn into my dragon persecutor, I got some wiggle room because he's going to forgive me because he's going to remember all the times I was amazing the other Mm -hmm. 27 days of the month. So, I mean, I don't know about other mental mental illnesses or neurodivergent behaviors, but I assume that those also kind of play a role. You're kind of like, okay, well, I know I do this. So let me, Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. How do you think you do that with ADHD, Chris? I think, I think with ADHD, what I do is, I mean, it's really easy to kind of fall into the, the victim, but it's mostly, I think the ADHD is what has led to significant self-abuse in all of them, if that makes sense, because you're not like other people. You don't think in the same way that other people do, and you don't behave in the same way that other people do. And yet you've been taught your whole life to mask your experience, right? Like mask who you are. And, you know, it, it may, it basically makes it, I think that my ADHD has contributed significantly to my, my form of self-abuse in all three ways, because of the fact that I was always persecuting myself for losing my stuff for not being able to concentrate in the same way, for bringing up other topics, for bringing up myself. I was persecuting myself for doing those things. And then I would feel the victim of nobody understanding me. And then I was trying to rescue by doing more, doing other things, or kind of falling into these different personas to just try and describe my behavior. Like it was just, it was just the easiest way that I could possibly do it is just to fall into thinking that, that all of these band-aids we're going to make it so that my brain was okay for everybody right. else to handle. Maybe rescuer is an output of like a shame preventer or a output of shame, a byproduct of shame rescuer. Yeah. Cause it's like, I know for me, probably it's like, well, I know I can be a persecutor and ho- like impossible to live with for three days. So let me go into rescuer mode the rest of the time. So that they, they all move the energy. <laughs> they all move the, bu- they, they all move the shame ball <laughs> around right? All of them do that. That's why, that's why the interactions are so fast. Like you can have the macro where you have the wounds that are associated with like abandon is associated with the rescuer, but on the micro level, on the daily interaction level, you're constantly moving between all three because you need to move the energy away from you or towards you, whichever way you want to think of it. You're trying right. to move the shame away from you and you're trying to capture other people's energy in doing that. Until you can realize you can get energy from other sources, which we will talk about in another episode, of course. We will, indeed. So that was a lot today, guys. But how, uh, but I can tell you from my own experience, it is a fucking life-changing experience. And I would highly recommend that everybody stop what you're doing. And do the 12 steps of the drama triangle. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to make a PDF of the 12 steps, but I'm going to make it in the vein, not of alcoholism, but drama addiction. And I'm going to put it in the show notes to go to the website to download that. Awesome. Thank you, Anna. That's just me rescuing you all from (laughs) your drama triangle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll be, we'll be talking in this series about the persecutor and the victim, um, the persecutor being um, what I have called the dark passenger. And then we're also going to talk about the healing steps. So um, I've been using the 12 steps and we're going to be talking about um, all the other methods you can do. I'm I'm reading the book, Self-Abuse in the Inner Drama Triangle Workbook. So it's amazing. Light read. It's a light read. read. In the first three pages, it talks exactly the main way that I have learned to to do this, which is to surrender to my divine feminine. That has literally been like 
like teaser, like that's what this is. It's just like you surrender to life. Well, thank you, Anna. Thank you for giving me the gift of this experience. <laughs> thank you for giving me the gift of being a nice little um, sounding board for your persecutor victim dynamic, which I, I am appreciative. Seriously, too. I can't. I, I, it's one and of I those still love that. you. <laughs> Don't worry. And I still love you too. And I'm not going to feel like a victim because it wasn't all my fault. Yeah. You know what? We both made a story that we needed to make and deal with the emotions that came up. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. And as my kids say, you're my wife. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no way out. No way out. Thanks, Anna. Okay. Thanks, Christina. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Spiritual Fix. Stay tuned next week where we go into more depth on the victim and the persecutor in the drama triangle. Please please leave us a review and rate us on iTunes because it helps us stay in the charts so people can find us. Thanks so much. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell you all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilsey.com forward slash discover.